Father, we ask you that you send a fresh touch of your spirit amongst us tonight. We waited on your presence. And Lord, your people have praised you with fire in their hearts, a desire for you. Lord, we need your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. More than anything in these days, we need an outbreak of heavenly power. We need you, Lord, to open the heavens, pour out your spirit. Holy Spirit, you are the presence of hope. You're our guarantee. You're our deposit of eternal life. You're our foretaste of the heavenly future. The more we have of you, Lord, the more you manifest, the more we are touching that which will be full when Jesus returns. So the greatest thing that we can have as the church on planet Earth right now is the presence of the Spirit. Come to us, Holy Spirit, in fresh ways. We don't want to box you in, Lord. We call ourselves Pentecostals. We're charismatic. Sometimes we think we know too much about you. We humble ourselves before you, Lord. We call this service the Holy Spirit Fire Service, not because we're claiming anything, but we are pursuing someone, you. So come, Holy Spirit, into the lives of your children tonight. Greater waves and greater works on the inside of our lives. We pray for healings and miracles to break out tonight. But greater than that, we pray for the healing and miracles of the heart. That you would work the works of God inside us. Grace and mercy. Lord, help us to see. See as we really are. Give us the perception of God. That we might see what is approved in our lives. And what needs radical Holy Spirit healing? Lord, we stand in your presence today. We connect with you. We let the cares of the world fall away. The anxieties and the worries. And we open ourselves for a touch of God. Lord, as you heal our lives, may we heal other lives. Not just by laying hands on the sick that they may recover, but by forgiving people that they also may recover. See the healing properties of love. Lord, heal us on the inside that we can heal others with the healing that we have received. Can't give what we haven't received. So we ask that we might receive that our joy may be full and overflowing. These days make us vessels of your glory. That rivers might flow out of our innermost being. Rivers of words of blessing, rivers of prayer, rivers of praise, rivers of forgiveness, rivers of reconciliation, rivers of servanthood. Rivers of prophecy, edification, rivers of the gospel, rivers of witness, 
rivers of love. Work in us the fire of God, the passion of God. You said you would baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire. Fire that burns up the world and sin. Help us to be self-igniting, Lord. Help us to self-ignite ourselves in a cold and dampening world spirit. May we, may we catch fire and set people on fire with the love of God. We come to you, Lord. We come to you, Lord, and we open our lives to you. We're an open book to you. We don't hide from you like Adam and Eve hid from you. Though we have sin and we need forgiveness and wholeness, we don't hide, but we come to you. We don't put on the fig leaves of excuses. We don't put on the fig leaves of denial. But Lord, we come to be clothed with the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. May his blood clothe our spiritual nakedness. Cleanse us by the blood of Jesus tonight, Holy Spirit. Let there be a work of cleansing power, atoning power. Let the blood of Jesus that was slain 2,000 years to bring mankind in relationship with God. May that be our confidence this evening in boldly approaching the throne of grace for mercy, kingdom power. Release your kingdom power amongst us, Lord have your way and intervene we ask you father do not leave us to our own devices do not leave us to our own ways don't pass over us but come and meet with us in a daily basis intervene and work in our lives like never before we ask for a deeper work of God a deeper work than, than ever we've experienced a deeper work of reviving power, restoring power, healing power, conforming us to the image of Christ. Holy Spirit, we invite you to work deep. Lord, to go beneath the surface, the surface that deep might call to deep and the sound of your waterfalls may flood our beings, Lord. Cause us to be a people that will be able to carry the anointing when you bring revival. Lord, we ask for revival, but we say not yet, because we know where we are. It would spoil us, and we would spoil it. But Lord, do a quick, deep work in our hearts, so that when your reviving work comes in these days, as it surely is going to come, that you'd find people that were deep, people that were grounded and rooted in the love of God and the love of one another, that your anointing would not be wasted, but would be channeled into this city and this nation. Spirit would be poured out. There would be disciples that would take your anointing and use it for the glory of the Master, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Please take your seats. It's good to see you here tonight. And later on this evening, we are going to be uh, anointing you with oil according to James chapter 5. And if you have your Bibles with you, please turn to James chapter 5 verse 
13. I'm going to be reading, doing a little bit of teaching tonight, but this teaching is ordered to release a healing anointing. And um, later on in the service, at the right time, uh, well, just before we begin to minister, we're also going to be taking up a free will offering to go directly to the work of Elim Missions. So, James chapter 5, verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. I think this passage is often misunderstood, and yet within it does not just lie great revelation and understanding of the things of God and the things of healing, but also in understanding this passage will be released a healing anointing. And when I speak about a healing anointing, I'm not just talking about physical healing, as I was praying earlier. I am also speaking about a healing anointing for inner healing on the inside of our lives. And this passage in James deals with both. It deals with physical healing, and it also deals with inner healing. Now, to properly understand this passage, you have to know the context in which it has been written. And I think sometimes people have gone directly to this passage on healing and anointing with oil, and they forgot that actually James was speaking to a specific people at a specific time in a specific situation. And to understand who James was writing to and the situation that they were in will allow us to properly understand the power of this passage. Now, this comes at the end of the letter to James. And I've entitled this section uh, and this sermon, It's Time for Healing. It's Time for Healing. Now, why would James, at the end of his letter, start speaking about if anyone's suffering, what should they do? Pray, cheerful praise. And if anyone is sick, to call the elders of the church for a prayer of faith to be released with the anointing of oil, for sins to be confessed and sins to be forgiven, for bodies to be raised up whole, for prayer to be made by one and another. We're going to do that tonight. And that the prayer of a righteous person has great effectual power. Why would he end in this? Well, he's bringing his letter to the end. And if you, we haven't got time to go through the whole of the book of James, but let me tell you the sort of people that he had been ministering to. He was ministering to a very fragmented, divided, and damaged church. He was speaking to people who had been born in the revival of Acts, that first revival of Acts. 
And they had received so much power and so much glory. And they sat under the miraculous ministry of the apostles. And they had been spoiled by the Spirit in a really good way. But what had happened is, as persecution had come, many of them had fled. And many of them had scattered. And they began to share the gospel in the wider Judean and Palestinian areas. And new congregations of Christians had been formed. However, within these new congregations at this time, in this earliest of churches, there had been a manifestation of division and fleshliness that James had to address. At the beginning of James, he he deals with trials and how to face trials and sufferings. Indeed, this is the main theme of James. How to face the trials and difficulties of life. And we find that these Christians were not facing the trials and difficulties and obstacles that we face in this life. Jesus said, in this life you will have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. They were fleeing from trials. They were running from trials. They were seeking relief from the world in whatever way they could. They didn't face the trial. They hid from the trial. They ran from the trial. Uh, They they sought any type of natural relief that they could get. They didn't want to go through burdens. They didn't want to go through difficulties. They didn't want to face their mountains. They wanted the most comfortable existence that they could get, and they looked to the world to give it. They ran from the trials into the world. We know this. Why? Because Paul says, don't blame God when you face various trials. They were blaming God. They had problems with God. They were immature. When things didn't go well for them, it was God's fault. Perhaps that day they decided not to go to church to teach God a lesson. So they were blaming God for everything that was happening. They didn't understand that what they were facing was meant to mature them and strengthen them and cause them to go deeper with God. They could see no value in trials at all in any way. That's why James had to say, consider it all joy, brethren, when you face trials, because through those trials becomes maturity and steadfastness and strength and depth and an anchor for your soul. And you'll come out of these trials mature, complete, stronger with God and, and able to work, walk with God stronger. They, uh, they sought wealth where they could find it. There are a number of rich individuals that were in the churches and instead of believing God, they, they went to the rich and tried to get the rich to, to look after them. They were money-orientated. The more money they had, the better they thought it would be. And they despised the poor. The reason they despised the poor, it's not that they didn't like the poor, but the poor had nothing to give to them. That's why they loved the rich. The rich could do something for them. So they were looking for selfish gain from one another. They were cursing one another, gossiping against one another. They were fighting and, and, and in divisions. They were bitter jealous in their heart, selfish ambition. They were boasting. They were unspiritual. I'm reading from James 3. They, and, and the wisdom that they were using, in other words, how they were trying to make their life work was demonic wisdom, earthly wisdom. It was a wisdom that was limited by the powers of this earth. And James said, you need a wisdom that comes not from below, 
but a wisdom that comes from above, that is God's wisdom, that is peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial, sincere. In chapter 4, they were quarreling and fighting amongst themselves because of their passions and their worldly desires. They were murdering one another in character. They were coveting and jealous and fighting over positions and quarreling and asking God, but not asking God for what was good for them. They were asking God to give them worldly things as they were running from trials. They were adulterous people. They were friends with the world and therefore acting like enemies of God. And James says, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched, mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. James was saying, see the situation that you're in. And then you can be healed. Humble yourself and then you can be raised up. Stop speaking evil about one another. He, he speaks a strong word to the rich that had put their hope in not God but riches. And then when we get to chapter 5, this is where he comes to bring a healing message to a fractured church. Because what, what these people were suffering... He said, if anyone is suffering, pray. Why? Because pray is healing, prayer is healing balm for suffering people. What can tend to happen when we suffer, we sometimes stop praying, don't we? Why? Because I feel too bad to pray. So the natural humanness in us, when things go difficult, often if we blame God, we stop praying. But prayer is what will keep you in the time of trial. Prayer is the key. Not just praying to get out of the trial, but communion with God. In fact, when we're in tests and trials, that's one of the main benefits of going through them, is that we can meet with God in a deeper, more meaningful way. This is a general statement, but it's generally true that with Christians, when everything is going absolutely fantastic... Often the big danger is that we're not going deeper with God. Because everything's fine, we don't need to go deeper with God. But we know that when there's difficult times or trying times, often God will allow us to get to the place where we've got no choice but to dig into God. And there we find the jewels of his presence and his promises and his faithfulness. One of the things to learn is, is, is don't wait for a trial to go deeper with God. Sometimes we go through things that we don't have to go through. Now, if anyone's suffering, let him pray. If anyone is cheerful, let him sing. It doesn't mean that if you're not feeling cheerful, you don't praise. But these are appropriate actions to the situations you find yourselves in. The appropriate spiritual action when you're suffering is to pray. It will bring alleviation to your suffering. It will bring meaning into meaningless. When you're cheerful, when you're happy to pour out thanksgiving and praise, it's appropriate action. Well, what is in verse 14 the appropriate action for those that are sick? Now, we're going to pray for everybody who wants healing on the inside of their hearts and also for whatever physical healing that you are seeking God for tonight. 
But James is specifically speaking to a certain kind of sickness with a certain origin in this passage. And I want to talk a little bit about that. I've said we're going to pray for everybody and anybody who wants healing tonight. But James, he is speaking to this group of fractured, fleshly, warring, battling Christians. And this is why he's linking healing with forgiveness and confession. He says, call for the elders of the church and let them pray over the sick, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who's sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you will be healed. That passage makes it abundantly clear that in this particular situation and scenario, physical healing... Confession of sin and forgiveness are linked together. Now, this does not mean, and hear me clearly, that if you are suffering sickness, therefore there is some sort of sin in your life that has caused it. (laughs) James will give the example of one of the most closest friends of God that ever lived, Job. And he will tell us as Christians that we should see Job as a picture of patience in times of difficulty. And Job was sick. I mean, he was physically sick. And so many bad things happened to him. But was it because of his sin? No. So we are not in any way saying that if you are sick, therefore there must be sin in your life. James is not teaching that. But what we are saying is this is that sometimes a physical sickness can have a link to something in our personal lives that needs forgiveness and healing. Sometimes sickness can be linked to bitterness or to anger or to unforgiveness. Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes sickness can be linked to fleshly behavior Broken relationships, just as we're seeing here, had happened in James. Now, we know that Paul also, the Apostle Paul, as James, Paul also could conceive of a situation where someone's sickness was linked to personal sin or linked to fleshly actions. We find that in uh, Corinthians... um, The Apostle Paul is speaking to to the Corinthians, and they, they, like James's church, many of them were were very fleshly in many different ways, full of division. One went after Paul, and one went after Peter, and they were divided amongst themselves, and there was all types of immorality and fighting. It was a fleshly church. And in Corinthians, Paul said to them about... The community said, let a person himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many of you Corinthians are weak and ill, and some have died. So what Paul was saying is this, he's saying, look, your actions have consequences. Galatians 6, 8, 
He said, for one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. In this particular situation in Corinth, some of the sickness, not all, but some of the sickness, Paul said, some of this sickness, some of you are weak, sick, and ill. In fact, some of you have died because you have not extended forgiveness and walked in the fruit of the Spirit. And it's affecting you physically. Now, we shouldn't be surprised by this. It's not like because we're body, soul, and spirit, we're three different people. It's a bit like the Trinity, isn't it? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But one person, one, one, one God. One, and, and the same with humanity. We are spirit, soul, and body, but you know, we're not whole unless we're spirit, soul, and body. This is why if, if a believer dies, their spirit goes immediately to be with the Lord, but they're not complete. Not complete till the day of resurrection. When their physical body, sown in weakness, is raised in might and glory. So those that are in heaven right now, although their spirits are in heaven, they're not complete. They are waiting for the day of resurrection when they will be reunited with their bodies. So there is a sense in our lives that we are body, soul and spirit... And you know, your body affects your soul, and your soul affects your body, and your spirit affects your soul. You know, if you, if you don't live healthfully, if you eat the wrong foods consistently, it affects you on the inside, doesn't it? It can affect your mentality, it can affect your emotions, it can affect your intellect, it, it can affect your, your mind, isn't that right? And we know that, 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 that a mind or a soul that is deeply hurting can sometimes affect the body physically, don't we? You know, if you're suffering from depression or feeling down, or, or, or if you've had a bereavement, sometimes those things that are of the soul, they're not physical, but, but the sadness or the hurting of the soul can, can sort of creep into bodily things, can't it? These things are all related together because you are a whole individual, body, soul, and spirit are one. That's the way God wanted it to be. So it makes sense that there are times when what's going on in the soul can affect the body for good or affect the body for bad. And in this situation that James was facing, having addressed the problems like a master surgeon, he had taken the word of the living God and he had cut into the cancerous activities of fleshliness, selfishness, false understanding of God, comfort-seeking instead of kingdom-seeking. He took the scalpel of some very strong words. If you read James, the man, that man is, he doesn't, you know, he, he tells it as it is. He's from Yorkshire, I think. I think he's from Yorkshire, Paul. <laughs> Probably more Dewsbury than Harrogate, but he tells it as it is. I mean, he is hard. And, and when, when you're reading James, sometimes you think, come, come on, James, that's a bit hard. I mean, you know, just as you think he's going to soften, he really hits them. But why is he hitting them hard? He's hitting them hard because he loves them. And he knows that if he doesn't address 
Things have got so bad, if he doesn't address these things head on. You know, there comes a time when when, uh, tea and biscuits is not enough. You've got to get the ambulance and the paramedics in, and you've got to get that person on the operating table now, and you've got to get the operation done and deal with it, or that person's not going to live. That's what James was doing. He was dealing with the issues. He was touching them right on their raw, raw points. He was rebuking them and encouraging them. But he was telling it as it is. But, but when he comes to this last section, this is where he's saying, look, I've, I've, I've explained what's wrong. I've confronted you, but not for, for confront, confrontation's sake, but for now that you may be healed. Having confronted all these issues, having hit them hard, he wanted them to heal, to recognize that they needed healing on the inside and healing on the outside. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. What does he mean by calling for the elders of the church? Well, what he means by this is he's saying, well, the elders of the church, he's not just talking about a position. He's saying it's time for healing, and in times of healing, we need those that are mature to come to the fore. And the elders of the church were not, were not just elders necessarily in years, but they were elders because they were mature Christians. They had gone deep in God. And isn't that what, what we want? We, we would hope that the leaders of all local fellowships should be, fortunately it's not always the case, but the leaders should be the maturest of the believers, shouldn't they? And maturity in the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, maturity in understanding how to deal with the difficulties of life, have gone deeper with God and allow God God to have gone deeper into their hearts for healing. And so in a time of fractiousness, a time of division, and a time of healing, it's time for the mature people to arise. You know, you may have a position or you may not have a position, but if you are a mature believer, it's time for you to bring healing into other people's lives. Because I tell you what, you won't get healed by the immature. If you want to grow in God, don't hang around the immature unless you are discipling them to maturity. And what can tend to happen is that the immature can flock together with the immature and then what happens is is a vicious circle of fleshly activity, gossiping, all the things that we're seeing here in James. And where there's pockets of this, what we need is those of us who are mature, not to just tut, tut, tut and shake our finger and say, you know, backslidden believers. We need to engage with them and bring a word of correction and a word of maturity. And so the reason to call the elders is not just because someone has a title, but because they're deep with God. Because they've gone down the road a little bit longer than you have and they've learned from God. Got something to give to you. Because this is not just about laying hands on physically sick bodies. 
This is about healing of the body, yes, but it's about healing of a community. Let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray with him and anoint them with oil. And then later on it says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. You see, this is a healing community. This wasn't just about laying hands on somebody that's sick and seeing if they get healed. No, it was about relationships being healed. Confess your sins to to one another. Pray for one another. If he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. So as well as praying for the sick tonight, we also need to release healing into our relationships. Thank God for those of you that are going on Soul Talk on Tuesday evenings. How many here are going on Soul Talk on Tuesday evening? Enjoying it? Are you feeling healing in your soul there? Exactly. Exactly. And and if you've missed Soul Talk, don't worry, we'll be doing it again. But these emphasis on Soul Talk, the emphasis of our senior minister, when he's been teaching on Sunday mornings, he's been bringing healing to our souls. He's been addressing the first things first. And the second thing, second. He's been bringing us perspectives so that we can understand how to deal with the difficulties of life and to put our trust in the things that are eternal instead of putting our trust in the things that are temporary, that will pass away and can't possibly in any way at all, in any measure, meet the needs of the human heart. What's that? That's an elder, the senior elder. That's an elder bringing his understanding and maturity of God into the church, that we too can be healed. And in our cell groups, and our small groups, these are also meant to be a place. We know that those of you that are on Soul Talk, many of you are there with your fellow members of your cell. And you're going to bring the principles back into your cell. This is what James is talking about. This is, this is elders. If you're, if you're a cell leader here at Kensington Temple, you're an elder. That's, what, that's who we consider the elders of the church. Cell leaders, you're on our leadership list, and we consider you elders. Now, we have a ruling elders that's called the church board that meets and deals with things like that. But, but if you're a cell leader, you're an elder, therefore, you need to be somebody that can come into situations of, of division and bring healing. And also be able to deal not only with inner healing, but be used by God in physical healing. And... Um, Call for the elders to pray. The idea of calling for the elders is to recognize that we're part of a body. Earlier on in James, these these people, some of these people wouldn't even recognize leadership. Now you can have bad leaders, and I'm not talking about bad leaders tonight, I'm talking about mature leaders. But a sign of immaturity is not to be submissive to your God-ordained good leaders. Understanding no one's perfect. So in James, what what was happening was people were fighting with their leaders. They were saying, you're not my senior leader. I'm your senior leader. You don't tell me what to do. I tell you what to do. And so so when when James was saying, call the elders of the church, the mature of the church, that that was a a humbling event to to these people. To say, hey, you're my leader. You're a little bit further down the road with the Lord and... I recognize that now. I recognize that there's things I need to learn. I recognize that I can't do it on my own. I recognize that for healing to come on the inside and also perhaps on the outside, 
I need someone to guide me, help me, mentor me, disciple me. That's quite a, a humbling place to come to. I mean, some of us have been through that, haven't we? We thought, sell? Why would I need a sell? Don't need a sell? I've got Christian TV, thank you very much. And the teaching on Christmas te- Christian TV is such, so much better than a cell leader. And, but then we've got to that place where we realize that, you know, God works through relationships. The devil works through relationships. But God also works his healing through relationships. And uh, let them pray over him, anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. I'll, I'll come to that. And the prayer of faith will save the one who's sick and the Lord will raise him up and if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. Now, what does this mean? The prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up and if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. Well, a normal view of looking at this is that this prayer of faith is the prayer of faith that we find in 1 Corinthians. You know the gifts of the Spirit? Miracles and healings and prophecy and words of knowledge, discerning of spirits. And one of the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians is uh, the prayer of faith, isn't it? Now, oh well, the prayer of, or the gift of faith. Now, the gift of faith in Corinthians, you just can't turn it on or off. Because all of the gifts of the Spirit come purely by the sovereign will of the Holy Spirit. It says that each gift comes by the desire of the Holy Spirit. So we have no power to heal one another at will. We have no power to prophesy at will. We have no power to give a word of knowledge at will. We've got no power to produce a miracle at will. We have no power. But only the Holy Spirit can do that. Now, having said that, we are told to pursue earnestly the gifts. And especially that you can prophesy. So although... The gifts of the Spirit come only by the will of the Holy Spirit. We can seek him for greater manifestations of that. We can say, Lord, more. We know it's up to you what healings you do. We know it's up to you what miracles we do. We know prophecies only come when you desire. But Lord, more, please. We can seek earnestly. Now, if this prayer of faith here in James 5 is the same as the gift of faith in 1 Corinthians, then... Well, it may happen, it may not happen, correct? It may happen, it may... If this prayer of faith that James is speaking about is the gift of faith found in 1 Corinthians, then it'll only come as the Holy Spirit wills. But I don't believe that this is the prayer of faith in 1 Corinthians. I don't believe this is... Sorry, the gift of faith in 1 Corinthians. I I don't believe this is the scenario of the gifts of the Spirit being given as and when only the Holy Spirit desires. I don't believe he's talking about that. Because in this situation, he's talking about a specific circumstance. In this situation, he is speaking about a specific sickness that is linked to to, to, to sins confession and healing. And if you do a little bit work of work in the Greek, which, which I have, and, and you read this section on, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. You can go into some of the, uh, the deeper uh, Greek um, commentaries, and, and one says this, by the sins here, what sins? If he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. What sins... 
is James speaking about here? Well, let me read from this um, commentary. By the sins meant here by James, these are the sins that were the special reason of this particular sickness. Accordingly, the meaning is, even if somebody has drawn sickness upon themselves by special sins, the sins will be forgiven them as they confess them, and healing will come. It's the same situation that Paul was dealing with. Now remember what I said about Job, not all sicknesses are linked to sin and confession. You're hearing me, aren't you? But it could be that some are. And you say, well, how do I know? Well, we have an opportunity tonight to put things right on the inside and to seek God for healing on the outside. And if, it says, and if there was some sort of sinful situation that is in our lives, if there is, that is somehow linked to some physical sickness or ailment, then I guarantee you tonight that if we recognize the things that need to be dealt with as the Holy Spirit shows us, if those things are linked to sickness, I guarantee you tonight that you will be healed of them. I can't guarantee you that you will be healed of all your sicknesses. I'm hoping to get healed tonight of diabetes. I can't guarantee you, but I can guarantee you that if it's this particular situation, then great healing will come into your life. Because there's no ifs and buts here. It says, the prayer of faith will save the one who's sick and the Lord will raise him up. Not maybe raise him up, will raise him up. That's why it's not the gift of faith from Corinthians. And if he's committed sins, sins that have caused these, and he's confessed, and he'll be forgiven, he will be healed. Confess your sins to one another, he says in verse 16. Pray for one another that you may be healed. So can you see how this is linked together? Now, you might say, well, I, I don't know. I don't know if I... I mean, is this, a, this is not about trawling into our past, trying to find something. I mean, the devil will help you do that. If, if you want to feel condemned tonight, the devil is waiting to minister to you. It's not about that. This is, this is, so it's not about trying. There must be, I'm sick. There must be something. There must be something. No, no, no. No, it's not like that. It's not like that. But I want to ask you by the Holy Spirit, because we're going to go into ministry in a, in, in a few moments' time. I want to ask you, what is the Holy Spirit putting his finger on in your life today that needs forgiveness, recognition, and a change. What is the Holy Spirit saying? Because we could put our finger on many, many things because we've got a long way to go, all of us. But sometimes you'd be surprised that the thing that you think God wants to change in your life is actually not the thing he's pointing at right now. You hear what I'm saying? The Christian life is walking by the Spirit of God. Walking by the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit. That's what it's, Paul says, keep in step with the Spirit. In other words, wherever he puts his footprint, you put yours. Or march in line with the Spirit, keep in step with him. And so sometimes in our minds, we say, oh, I know what God would want me to deal with with my life right now. Well, maybe he would, but you know what, maybe he wouldn't. Sometimes we look at big issues, but sometimes God is looking at the small issues. 
Because sometimes when you deal with a small issue, the big issue falls. Only the Holy Spirit knows our hearts. And, and we ourselves as Christians, often we have categorizations of sins. We have hierarchies of sins. Depending on what denomination or church we're from, or what background we're from, we, we have our major sins and our minor sins. Our unforgivable sins even. Crazy, crazy, crazy. And, um, and, and we judge people. And, and the big danger is we, we see sins in other people. We see the... Uh, and we judge them, but we don't see what's it. We can't even see what's going on in our own heart. That's why we need the leading of the Holy Spirit. And especially in this, it's dealing with relationship. It's releasing forgiveness. Look, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Now this is, if you come from a, a very traditional background, this is not going to the priest and sitting in the box and going away saying a few Hail Marys or Our Fathers. It's not speaking about this. It says to one another, not to a clerical priest. And this also isn't, as some people have done in the past, going up to someone and saying, oh, I just want to say, uh, would you forgive me? Uh, oh, why? I hardly know you. Because uh, I, I hate you. <laughs> and uh, some work person came up to me many years ago. I didn't even know they were from the congregation. And said, I, I want you to forgive me. I said, okay, why? I don't even know you. Well, I've been sitting here feeling, hating every word that you've preached for the last few months. And I just ask if you forgive me. I said, well, okay, I forgive you. He went away blessed. I went away needing healing. <laughs> so sometimes confessing your sin to somebody is not appropriate. You have to ask what's best for that person. Other times... Confession is, is simply restoring relationship. I remember many years ago I had a huge fallout with someone and it was mainly my fault, although neither of us acted in a mature manner. And we didn't speak or keep in touch with one another for years, but then the Holy Spirit was melting our hearts and I reached out and he reached out back. And I remember when we sat down together for the first time, we didn't apologize to one another. Do you know what? We didn't need to. The fact that we were building relationship again had said it. And, 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 and you say, did you confess your sins to one another? No, because confession, the word confession means saying the same thing. That's what confession is. Saying the same thing. And so what had happened is, when we'd fallen out, we were not saying the same thing. We, we, were not, we were against one another. But when we came back together, there had been healing and restoration. Why? We were saying the same thing again. So when we confess our sins, when we seek these things with God, and we think of people, family, relationships, situations, and we confess, we go to God and say, God, you know, I, I need to do something about that relationship. I need to forgive somebody. I need, to, I need to go back and, and make things right in whatever way that is. These are, have great healing properties. Not just that it may affect you physically, it may not. It may affect you physically because it says, confess your sins to one another. In other words, you, uh, ch the church that James was speaking to, he said, basically he was saying, you lot that have been fighting and arguing and saying totally different things against one another and accusing one another and, and totally saying the wrong things, why don't you confess your sins to one another? Why don't you begin speaking 
together again, saying the same thing, back on the same uh, uh, hymn sheet together, and that you may be healed, not just spiritually and emotionally, but perhaps even here physically. Now, we're going to take the oil. We're going to first just get our hearts right. I hope right now that you are opening your heart. If we can have the pianist, opening your heart. Lord, is there, is there anybody I need to forgive today? Remember, forgiveness is not an emotion, it's a decision. You can forgive somebody and still have bad emotions about them. That, that needs to be healed. Forgiveness first, then healing of the emotions over days, weeks, or as long as it takes. Right? Need to put some things right. Maybe the Holy Spirit is showing you, let him put his finger on perhaps something. Where you say, you know what? I'm going to take that to the Lord. And, and, and I need for, Maybe you need forgiveness. We all need daily forgiveness, don't we? On our path. We're already eternally forgiven if we're Christians. We need daily forgiveness. Is there something the Holy Spirit is saying, get right with me about this issue? And healing will come. And it'll make a tremendous impact on your life on the inside and perhaps even on the outside. Let's bring the oil out. And um, you say, pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Why did they do this? Well, they did. And oil is a symbol of the anointing, a symbol of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing specifically powerful in this oil. It's just oil. But the obedience of anointing in the oil, when that oil touches you on your forehead, as you come to be healed or fresh forgiveness, don't put faith in the oil. It's not in the oil. It's in the act of praying with the oil. It's the name of the Lord that raises you up. It's the name of the Lord that heals. It's the name of the Lord that forgives, not the oil. But this oil is, is a, a place of faith to touch it's a, it's, a, it's a what do you call it a touchstone a what it's where you can just meet with God it's that moment and that's what we're we're going to do together Let, let's stand together let the Holy Spirit work in our lives and ask the ministry team to come forward and any KT official cell leader who wants to pray with us you come forward to if you're an official KT cell leader, you might not be on the ministry team, that's fine, I'd like you to come as well, because I'm thinking a lot of people are going to want to touch and if you come forward for the oil it could be for anything, it could be for general healing, it can be Lord heal me on the inside but it might be that during this period some physical healings get done, Let, let's just Father, we come to you we ask for forgiveness. We confess to you. In other words, we say the same thing as you say about our lives. We say, Lord, not every, we thank you for everything you're doing in our lives, but we know there's some things that aren't quite right. We ask for your daily forgiveness and your mercy. and Forgive us our sins. And Lord, as you forgive us our sins, according to the Lord's Prayer, we now begin to forgive others. And I want you to name them in your mind right now or even on your lips. People that you need to forgive. You need to say, I forgive you. People that you need to work to come into confession with 
to say the same things. You've fallen out, you've argued, maybe not even talking because God wants you to pray for one another. We're going to pray for one another. Prayer of a righteous person has great power. Let's do business with God in these few moments before we release. Holy Spirit, show you. Lord, what, is there anything you want to show me that you want to heal me from on the inside? If there's any bitterness in you, everybody knows that bitterness has tremendous physical aspects in people's lives. People who are bitter, it, 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 and it's that type of thing. If there's any bitterness, said you, the emotions might need to be healed later. You feel bitter. I feel bitter. Well, forgive. Make a conscious decision. Speak with your words. So and so, I forgive you. Even if you don't feel like doing it, do it. Because that's the beginning of your healing. Bitterness, unforgiveness, persistent, consistent anger, jealousy or envy, any of the works of the flesh. And the Holy Spirit, bring these things to the surface not to condemn you, but to heal you. It's about healing. Everything the Holy Spirit touches right now is for forgiveness, healing and deliverance. Everything. It's all good. Heal us, Lord. Let the spirit of forgiveness, the blood that speaks forgiveness, flow into our lives right now as we say the same thing as you, Lord. As we release people and we forgive others, as you forgive others, forgiveness comes into your life. As you release others, their debts or your perceived debts, then they release you. As you say, Lord, I'm going to go back to that broken relationship, that difficult person. I'm going to give it another go with your spirit. God's going to be with you. Healing is going to flow in your life and wholeness is going to come in a greater way. Hallelujah. We're going to open up the floor right now. We've got cell leaders here, ministry team. Whatever it is, you don't have to share. If you want to, you can, but you don't have to share. It's inside or external. And they're going to come, they're going to just put a little bit of oil on your forehead. And they're going to pray that the Lord will heal you. And that word heal means outside and in. While that's taking place. Now, we're going to do that. And while we're doing that... Stewards, we're just going to take up an offering. We don't want to forget everything that's happening on the other side of the world. So if we could just get those, we're not breaking the anointing or anything here. So just get the envelope ready. And if anyone needs an envelope, we'll take one right now. This is for the broken in the mission field. So it's appropriate. Nobody has to give. But if you want an opportunity to, then you can just get ready right now. And take that. We'll have buckets around later as we begin to minister and buckets at the back. So it's just to give you that opportunity. All right, that's happening. Well, we're going to minister right now. We're going to get healed on the inside, healed on the out. And then it doesn't matter if all of you come out during this period to be anointed with oil. We will pray for you. Ministry team, this isn't long ministry counseling time. This is simply the prayer of faith that brings healing. It's it's, it's meaningful, but it's not, you know, it's a meaningful. Release faith. It's not long-term intercession. Amen. Let's lead us, Jonathan, as people come. The balcony from downstairs. 
and we'll pray for you and believe for healing, Lord. 